You're listening to the Full and Thriving Podcast, a place where courageous women come to break free from food obsession, heal their relationship with their body, and strive to live a life that's present, lighthearted, and meaningful. If you're listening, my wish is that this podcast serves as a catalyst that inspires you to nourish your body, nurture your mind, and energize your spirit. I'm your host, Meg McCabe, a certified life coach and eating disorder recovery coach with a PhD in having a good time. Just kidding about that last part. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Full and Thriving Podcast. It's been a few months since I have done a solo episode. So today I figured would be the day that I dive into a topic that I've had in my mind for a while. And this is sharing with you the three most common hangups that I see people fall into in recovery. And by no way have I been measuring or taking polls to see whether or not these are actually the top three most common hangups, but I do see them pretty much every day in my practice or when I interact with members of the collective or on Instagram. So I know that people who listen to my podcast must be dealing with these hangups as well. And chances are, while you're listening to this episode, you're going to feel a little called out by what I have to say and just check in with yourself during those moments and just practice radical honesty. If you find that you're connecting with the things I'm saying, I will also be offering different ways and ideas for you to break free of these patterns that are keeping you stuck. So stick with me here and let's just go for it. So the first hang up that I see all the time, especially in the eating disorder recovery space, is that individuals have the tendency to consume and consume and consume recovery content, but they do not take action. So you might listen to every podcast, watch every recovery YouTube video, follow every big name recovery Instagram or TikTok account, and chances are you could probably write a book on everything in recovery that you've learned just by consuming all the content that you have. And I know that people with eating disorders tend to be highly intelligent beings. And so you are probably an A student in the recovery space when it comes to staying up on the reading, listening to the podcast, whatever it has to be. And I'm just here to say, if you fall into that group of people, it is important that you also take action. You are not in recovery if you do not take action. You must apply everything that you've learned in all of this content to real life. So do not let this content consumer mode that you're in 
trick you into thinking that you're actually actively recovering. Taking action is what puts you from a passive place in recovery to a very active place in recovery. And you need to commit taking small actions every single day. Like this needs to be a hardcore commitment to yourself. And these actions don't have to be huge, massive actions. They can be small, but those small daily actions add up. And that's what gives you confidence. That's what gives you motivation. And that's where you feel like you're not getting anywhere, but then you look back from where you were a month ago and realize you've made a lot of change. So some of these little actions in recovery might look like reaching out to a therapist and actually getting the ball rolling with that or scheduling other appointments, maybe challenging fear foods and repetitively doing so. It might be going to a support group for the first time or making your first attempts at following a meal plan and seeing what that's like for you. Taking action is imperative for your growth and for getting through to the other side of the recovery rainbow, which I literally just made that up and that sounds kind of nice. So I really want to reiterate here that if you are watching, listening, reading all of this recovery content, that is amazing. I want you to keep doing that, but don't let that be your crutch. Don't get stuck there. That's only part of the work. And I want to acknowledge that doing this does help in conjunction to taking action. So what I love about consuming recovery content is that it fills your mind with recovery thoughts, it fills your heart with inspiration, and it also is a good way to give yourself that recovery education on different paradigms that you don't learn about in health class growing up, the things you don't really learn about, such as the health at every size movement, body acceptance, fat phobia, anti-diet culture, everything (laughs) that you basically come across when you do consume this content. And if you don't consume the content, it's really hard to access otherwise. So I do want you to continue reading, listening, watching, but now is the time to take action and that's what I want you to take away here. So call yourself out if you fall into this category and just challenge yourself to take a small action every day. If you're not sure where to start with this, I highly recommend reaching out to a recovery coach or maybe a dietitian or on your own, writing out a list of your eating disorder rules and asking yourself once that list is complete, which rule am I willing to break and how can I challenge myself to do this and come up with a plan to do that until it doesn't feel like a rule anymore. 
So that's really number one when it comes to common hangups in recovery. Number two is a new concept I've never brought up on my podcast before, and that is making your recovery conditional. That is the second hangup I've seen a lot in my practice. So when you make your recovery conditional, this usually looks like that you are willing to, quote, do recovery when all of the stars align. For instance, you are willing to do recovery when you're feeling healthy, energized, and happy, and people are being nice to you, and everything's falling into place. But if something throws off the day, you let your recovery slip through the cracks. For instance, if you are under the weather, or you have exams, or you're traveling, or your partner brought you the wrong type of snack home from the grocery store, you are going to let your recovery just fly right out the window because everything is not going the way you planned. And a a conditional recovery means that your recovery is essentially fragile. It's dependent on so many things to go right. And it also means that your foundation isn't strong. A conditional recovery is like having a house made of sticks instead of bricks. With one gust of wind, you take it as a sign that maybe you shouldn't even have a house at all. And at the end of the day, your eating disorder is looking for any reason to sink its teeth into your day and ruin your recovery progress. So on the days you're feeling sick or unhappy or thrown off, those are the days you really need to hunker down and do the recovery work the most. Essentially, you must eat as much on the bad days as you do on the good days. And this is how you keep moving forward and making recovery progress. So many of you might be wondering, well, I've been stuck in that pattern for a long time, so I'm not even sure what an unconditional recovery looks like. And I also want to use the word unshakable here. And basically an unshakable or unconditional recovery means that you are committed to doing the recovery work no matter what is happening around you in your life. You do not let external circumstances give you permission to slip back into using behaviors or restricting. Again, your eating disorder is looking for any reason that it can to get you on board with sabotaging recovery. For instance, if you are sick, so maybe you have a fever or a cold, you you really shouldn't go through the day restricting. You need to use that day as an opportunity to strengthen your recovery muscle. In this example, it would be wise to say to yourself, yes, today sucks, and I've lost my appetite because I'm sick, but what does my body need right now? What sounds good to me? Is what I need right now to stick to my meal plan, even though I don't want to? Maybe it's to do something a little bit more safe today, but make sure it's adequate. Or maybe it's something more intuitive, like having a bowl of soup with a sandwich and some tea, because when you're sick, you know that that's appealing to you. 
My advice here is call yourself out on your pattern to make your recovery conditional. Do not let external circumstances sabotage your recovery. If so, you've got to see how damaging that actually is. When you run into a difficult week, it's imperative that you trust your treatment plan. If you have a meal plan, you must muster through that even on the bad days. Lean on your therapist to properly express your emotions, journal, and find other ways to cope with life's challenges other than your eating disorder. Because essentially, when you let your eating disorder come on in, when something bad is happening in your life, you're giving yourself permission to cope with the eating disorder. So you're always going to be stuck with that behavior if that's what you are letting happen every single time. So I really encourage you to explore what coping skills work best for you. And coping skills take practice and exploration and multiple attempts to use them. So for instance, I just started learning how to play guitar as a coping skill for feeling overwhelmed, for feeling technology burnout. I've been actively choosing to pick up my new guitar and pick around and have fun and make mistakes and bring myself back to the present moment. And it's been a game changer. Like in the middle of the day, I typically reach a feeling of burnout and exhaustion. And so I've been turning to that and I've been feeling so much better and more energized than if I were to plow through the day. And in that case, if I still had my eating disorder, I would use the guitar instead of letting my eating disorder take hold. My final piece of advice here is to just be gentle with yourself when things get hard. And remember that being gentle with yourself does not equal letting your eating disorder sneak in. I know that sometimes when we let our eating disorder sneak in, we we feel a sense of relief, we feel back in control, we even feel better. So it might feel like you're actually being gentle with yourself to use your eating disorder behaviors, but that is not true. Being gentle on yourself actually means setting boundaries with your eating disorder and making your recovery non-negotiable. So that's number two. All right. So who's feeling called out on these patterns so far? The third and final hangup that I see quite often in the recovery spaces and in my own practice is going into recovery thinking that you can recover perfectly. And I think the cat's really out of the bag here because as a collective group of people, many individuals with eating disorders, I can't speak for everyone, but many people are self-proclaimed perfectionists. And so we're kind of used to going through life, getting good grades, being a good being a good kid, you know, being a people pleaser, being the person that can take on a huge workload and still manage to have a clean house and, you know, a high-powered career and all of those things. Like, we're used to being perfectionists and doing things the best. And 
Recovery is going to give you for a run for your money and best case scenario here is that recovery teaches you that being perfect at stuff isn't the most important thing at life. I know my idea of being a perfectionist really just went out the window when I started recovery and that's because I was forced to develop a self-compassionate voice, a flexible mindset and move forward in life recognizing that mistakes happen. Recovery taught me that you're going to have moments that you can't control where you feel like you royally screwed up. And I quickly learned that mistakes aren't the end of the world. And getting a C for a grade is better than being a perfectionist and burning yourself out completely, working hours and hours and hours to try to control the outcome of that grade. I once heard a life coach say that the problem with perfectionism is that sometimes you're so afraid of failure that you do not show up for the things you really want to show up for. So for instance, if there is a, maybe there's a small business you have in mind that you really want to start, but you're afraid to do so because you're afraid of failing. So you just don't pursue that dream of your small business where someone who's not afraid to fail is okay with submitting some sort of business plan that isn't perfect, but they're at least going to get the ball rolling and take action and eventually make it so that it's a functioning, proper, small business where they can start living their dream. So in that example, the perfectionism is really doing a disservice because the feel of failure prevents them from actually showing up for themselves and for their dream. How does this apply to recovery? Well, when people start recovery, they imagine recovery going the ideal way. They imagine that when they sign up for a coach, they are going to do all the assignments, they're going to complete the challenges. If they have a meal plan, they're going to do the meal plan perfectly. They'll be making consistent progress and feel great while doing it. (laughs) And... Unfortunately, it's a big smack in the face when they realize that that's impossible. Recovery cannot go that way. It's full of emotions. It's full of fear. It's imperative to have moments of courage and have vulnerability mixed into that. And you can't be perfect if you are trying to break free of something that is a mental illness. It's just a messy process. And I find when people enter recovery, they don't recognize how messy it is. You have to lower your expectations. So first of all, I know you want to go through recovery and be the perfect role model to others or be an advocate. Or maybe when you recover, you want to have total control over what your recovered body will look like. I'm sure a lot of perfectionists go into recovery saying, oh, well, I'll restore the weight, but it will only be muscle, not so much fat. And I will do it quickly. I can recover faster than everyone else. And I'll become an intuitive eater. I don't even need a meal plan. I'll just be intuitive right away and I'll make my dietitian proud. This perfectionist mindset leads to black and white thinking and ultimately the black and white thinking of I'm either a success or a failure. So I find that usually there's nothing in between. So these perfectionists are immediately met with something they didn't get an A grade on and 
you know, we don't grade you in recovery, but that's the best comparison I can think of is maybe they hit a wall with their meal plan. And yeah, they actually did a really good job with eating regularly, eating adequately, but maybe there were a few moments where they slipped up in the meal plan. Instead of seeing that there was some really great progress made, the fact that they didn't do it perfectly means that they failed altogether. So if we're going back to the grade analogy, these perfectionists don't understand that they can give themselves partial credit and not see their attempts as just immediate failures. So how do you get rid of this perfectionist mindset? My first piece of advice is just lower your expectations. Expect to make mistakes. Expect recovery to be messy. Expect your emotions to be running wild. And then do your best, your ultimate best to try to learn from those mistakes. So plan to learn from those. Plan to face your mistakes, to process everything, to process the mess. And you will be able to move through recovery in that way. It might feel uncomfortable. It might be super ungraceful. Who really cares? The point is that you're committed to showing up for yourself. And then once you can accept that recovery isn't going to look like a perfect experience, I want you to practice self-compassion. My ED helped me build up my self-compassionate inner voice. And just remind yourself that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to make perceived failures. It's okay to learn from those moments. It's okay to express frustration. It's okay to express negative emotions. I find many perfectionists come into sessions and it takes a while before they start expressing negative emotions. So sometimes I feel like I get false reports from perfectionists because they don't want to admit that they weren't perfect at it. So let your eating disorder recovery teach you to be less judgmental of yourself and others. Let your eating disorder recovery teach you that it's okay to go with the flow. It's okay to get bad grades sometimes. It's okay to show up to an event late. It's okay to do a project and submit it even though it sucks. Everything is okay. (laughs) Literally, you'll get through it. Everything is okay. You're going to learn. The sloppier, the better. I am so grateful to my eating disorder for forcing me to let go of perfectionism. And I really hope that you all experience the same thing. I still don't know if identifying as a perfectionist is healthy in any scenario because that sets an unrealistic expectation and it sets a level of inflexibility and lack of compassion for yourself. There's nothing that feels better than admitting to yourself that it's okay. It's okay you messed up. It's okay that something went wrong. Even though the outcome wasn't what you wanted, you're going to figure it out. You're going to learn from it. It's a huge relief to not have that sort of pressure on yourself. This might feel uncomfortable to some people, and I'm not saying you have to lower your standards in all areas of your life, but just with recovery, 
remember that it doesn't have to be perfect and it's it's actually going to be messy. That's number three, my friends. And with that, that concludes my solo show, the three most common hangups in eating disorder recovery that I tend to see in my practice. And I hope you enjoyed it. And if you are a fan of the show or just really got something amazing out of this episode, I ask you to leave a review on iTunes. It makes a huge difference to me, and I am so grateful to anyone who takes the time out of their day to do this because it really helps us spread the word about the podcast, and that is my goal. I want as many people as possible who need the support to access this show. So if you know someone who's struggling with an eating disorder, my other request is that you share this with them, especially if you think it will help. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode, and I'll catch you next time.